Starting a new relationship can be exhilarating. Finding someone you share chemistry with that has the same values and goals as you can seem like a match made in heaven. In this story, it was a match made in hell. Is the person you swiped right on really who they say they are? Welcome to Sentenced. I'm Kara. And I'm Caitlin. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I made I made dinner today. I made chicken alfredo in the crock pot and I was supposed to put two tablespoons of Cajun seasoning in and I accidentally put two tablespoons of cayenne pepper. <laughs> bad was it it was so <laughs> spicy did you guys even eat it i don't know i don't know if i did that robert and i'd have to throw it all away or like put a bunch of milk in it or something like we wouldn't get through it <laughs> yeah i had to put like so much creamer in and like cream cheese and oh it was oh. a disaster <laughs> Like, we don't even use cayenne pepper. Like, every recipe is like, and a little bit, like a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. And I'm like, no. Yeah. That's going to be way too spicy for my man. <laughs> well, and I, that's like, that's why, because we never use it. So it was full. And I had just bought the Cajun seasoning specifically for this recipe. And I was like, oh, the full one right in front, because I had just put it in the pantry. But it was actually still sitting, like, on the dining room table. Um. So, yeah, it was definitely, it was a very spicy dinner <laughs> clean your clean your sinuses out yeah for sure we used our air fryer for the first time Ooh, what'd you make um uh what was it panko and parmesan crusted chicken Ooh. um we we got our air fryer for our wedding from my aunt and uncle and we hadn't used it and that's been over two over almost two and a half years Jeez. that it's just been sitting in a box so we finally broke it out today, and it actually turned out really nice. Like, it was pretty good. It was really yeah. crunchy and crispy, so. We've been wanting one, um, but I guess that's a good thing to register for. I wasn't even, we weren't even planning on registering for anything, because, I mean, we already have pretty much everything we need. I just registered for stuff to, like, upgrade what I currently had. Yeah. Like, one of the things we got was an Instant Pot. I never used that either. Um, a KitchenAid mixer, which, like, as soon as we're out of an apartment, I'm sure these are all things that I'll use more often. Yeah. But, like, I'm just so limited on space that, like, my KitchenAid mixer doesn't even fit on my counter. Yeah. Like, if I wanted to use it, I'd have to put it sideways and it would be a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, but, like, we registered for a Roomba and, um, different plates and silverware just to upgrade what we currently had so if we didn't get it it wasn't that big of a deal right or just stuff that we didn't have to begin with and then most people end up just giving you money because it's easier exactly i'll register for that (laughs) 
Well, you can register, like, did you set up a wedding uh, website? No, we haven't done that yet, but I'm sure that when we do, we'll put, like, a link, and it'll be, like, a honeymoon fun, quote-unquote, or, like, something along those lines, or, like... We'll just sign up through the knot.com. That's what yeah. I did. It's completely free. And then they have all the links there. Like, you can set up the honeymoon fund through them. And then... It just, just goes directly to your bank account. Yeah, yeah, you set up a bank account, all that stuff. And then all your registries are on there, all that stuff. For sure. And you don't have to have a date yet or anything. You can just start it now. Yeah. And then slowly add to it. I mean, we've been meeting with a wedding planner since we're planning on getting married in Greece. We kind of have to get a wedding planner because it's not like we can be going there. So... We're definitely making progress. That's exciting. Do you I have know. a date yet? We don't. It'll probably be the second week of June in 2024. So <clears throat> ideally, it would be like the 10th or the 11th because I want to be 34 when I get married, not 35. So, <laughs> do you really want your anniversary every year to be right before your birthday? Actually, yeah, because I'm a Gemini and like. That way it can kind of all be about me. Wow. <laughs> At least she's honest, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like, I am not sharing my birthday with anybody. Like, if, like when we have a kid, if that kid's, like, due on my birthday, I'm holding that bitch in. Like, <laughs> you're staying in until the day after. Like, absolutely not. I'm not sharing my day. And my birthday's already four days after Christmas, so it's like... I get that. I guess, okay, so making it about me, that... That sounds a little conceited. I just, it it just means that we can have more to celebrate that week. But you, you have to share your anniversary, Kara. <laughs> I know. I know. I, my parents, their wedding is two days before my mom's birthday. So, and 11 days before my dad's. See, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And then my dad and my stepmom, theirs is in... That's before their birthday, so it's, like, in a completely different month. And then mine and Robert's, it's, like, smack dab in the in middle. The middle. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, we have that lull in between our birthdays of nothing, so then we have our anniversary. Yeah. I just, like, I really like the summer. I like my birthday week, and so it'll just be more of a reason for us to go do something. You know what I mean? Like, if we go on an anniversary cruise or whatever, we can celebrate that and my birthday at the same time. Well, there you go. Yeah. To each their own. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm still going to go to your wedding. Well, yeah, you better. And I'm not going to stop you from getting married on whatever day you pick, even though I think it's (laughs) ridiculous, but that's okay. Eh, We'll figure it out. Yeah. Is that when the weather's nicest in Greece, too? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Our wedding planner keeps, every time she emails us, she's like, hello from the sunny island of... Uh, Kefalina, and then it's like five degrees and snowing here and literally every single time it's like it gets increasingly increasingly better over there and increasingly worse over here so her greeting the next time will be like it is so beautiful outside today and then like the next time it's like yeah it's it's crazy what's the weather like there in June I don't know it's supposed to be warm my hands are so dry I should have lotioned them before I put nail polish on It's 51 there right now. What time of day is it? Like, what's the time difference? It's like nine hours. So in June, it's like 77 degrees. Are they ahead nine hours? Yeah. 
Okay. In 77 degrees, what's the humidity, though? Oh, I don't know. These are important things, because 77 and humid in Florida is like walking into a hot-ass bathroom where somebody just took a shower. Um... Oh, it's raining outside, by the way, so if you hear the raindrops, I'm sorry, but I, I can't know, do anything about the weather. Here. It's like 87% humidity right now. Uh, okay, but what about in June? I don't know. I can't oh find Oh my that. gosh. Greece, humidity in June. I will Google. 54%. That's not bad. Okay, cool. What's California's like? Let's see. 67%. Okay, so the humidity is not bad at all. That's good. Cool. Okay, I'll go. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, if the humidity is too high, this girl is not going. Yeah, I'm not, right. I'm not trying to sweat. No, I'll have to wear shorts the whole time. <laughs> um, um, all right. So do you have any true crime news? I, I do. So as everybody knows, the Alex Murdoch, I, his name is so confusing because I've heard Alec Murdoch and then I've had, heard Alec Murdoch. And then Alex Murdaugh and Alex Murdoch. So I'm just going to call him oh. Alex Murdaugh because that makes sense to me because it's O-U-G-H and that ends in that ah sound, not an ah sound. But I guess it's, I forget what he is, what his nationality is. Anyway, doesn't matter. I've been watching his trial, um, Emily D. Baker's YouTube channel because she mm. is a lawyer or a previous lawyer, a retired lawyer. And she watches the trials. This is also who I watched, like, the Johnny Depp v. Amber Heard trials through. Oh, right. But she commentates on it the whole time and, like, was a lawyer, so she knows what she's talking about. It's not just, like, you or I sitting there watching a trial being like, right. this is stupid, this is boring. Um, but, like, I definitely feel like he did it. Oh, 100%. Allegedly. I don't feel like the prosecution is doing that good of a job to say that he did, but I also don't think the defense is doing that good of a job from keeping him from, like, giving too much information. Like, his testimony, he, like, right off the bat admitted that he lied about the night of the murder. Mm. Because he has claimed for going on two and a half years now because i think it happened in 2021 right um but he's been saying that he wasn't there he wasn't at the house when they were shot but then in court we listened and watched the snapchat video that paul recorded and everybody's like yeah that's definitely alex in the background like that's him talking you can definitely hear him so when he took the stand he right off the bat was like Oh yeah, I was there. What? And then I and then he was like, "Oh, I was napping when the murders happened." You were still there. But then like, if you look at the timeline of events, his phone is like bouncing around from all these places, and then he's like calling people and then deleting them from his phone, but that but, doesn't delete it. Right. So they're off his phone, but Verizon is still like showing them as like placed or if he talked to somebody and so it's just really shady that, like, if your son and wife were murdered, why would you go through your phone and delete who you've been calling? Because he called her. I think he called one of his attorney friends. Like, he's called all these people. And it's like, uh, 
I don't know what's going on. And then the other thing, too, is that he was saying that, like, in, like, these paranoid states he would get in, he would do things that didn't make sense. And so it's, like, who's to say that you didn't get into a paranoid sense from the... Right. paranoid mindset from the the pills you were doing and murder them. So does it... There's a lot of things that don't add up. So I'm hoping the rest of the trial, because it's now in the defense's hands, they're doing all of their testimonies now, um... So I'm hoping that during the prosecution's cross-examinations that, like, more will come out. Mm-hmm. Because when Alex was on, on the stand, he would just talk. Like, the prosecutor would stop asking questions. And in the time period between him asking a question and, like, getting ready to ask another one, Alex was just filling the air with just talking. He would just talk and talk and talk and dig his whole heap deeper and That's deeper. really weird because wasn't he a lawyer too? Yes. So he should know better. And he was He's a prosecution really arrogant. lawyer. He was a prosecutor. And then it turns out too, like, sorry to harp on him for so long. It's just, it's relevant right now because that's what's going on. Um, he, I guess when you become a lawyer, and I didn't know this, you're given a badge. Like, not like a police badge, but mm-hmm. like still a badge saying that you're a lawyer basically right and I guess he would leave it on the hood of his or the dashboard of his car and so initially when the prosecution was asking about it he was just like oh no it wasn't intentional and then he was they they were eventually he came out and said that oh yeah it was so that if I ever got pulled over the police would be nicer to me what but then he also had blue lights in his work vehicle um, when his son was in the hospital after the boating accident, mm-hmm. he had it in his back pocket, like, sticking out, like, a badge, like a police badge. And he, like, That's legit bizarre. said that he was law enforcement. Like, on the stand. And then took it back immediately. What an idiot. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I can see both sides of it. Because it is a lot of circumstantial evidence. Right. But at the same time... It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess we'll keep you guys posted as the trial continues on. What was was the other thing I was going to tell you about? Um, I don't know. Right before we started recording. It was that, and then I was like, oh, I can tell you about that on... Oh, um, it was about something you saw in 2020. Oh, yeah, okay. So, the newest episode of 2020, have you watched it yet? No. About the Instagram model that murdered her sugar daddy? No. It was a really good case, and I was like, damn, I wish 2020 didn't just cover that, and I've, like, heard about it before. Uh-huh. So I can cover it, because, like, at first, like, the way 2020 set up the episode was so freaking clever, because you think that she was the one that was the victim. And I'm sorry, oh. she's ugly. Like, I don't know how she was an Instagram model and was, like, on the cover of magazines, like, she's a butterface. Like, she had a really nice body, but she had, a, like, a really weird face. Like, What's her name? Oh, what was her name? Oh, shoot. What was her name? I don't remember. But it was the most recent episode of 2020. Anyway, it was a good episode, and she really pissed me off because basically... Spoiler alert, if you guys don't want to listen to my spoilers about the most recent episode, 2020, skip ahead, like, five minutes. Anyway, so, (laughs) basically, like, he was her sugar daddy. She moved out to California. He's paying for her house. And he's, like, this older doctor, 
And he was a, he looks like a really sweet guy. He kind of looks like the guy from um, Jurassic Park. Like oh, the doctor yeah. with the beard and everything. Mm-hmm. And he, like, goes to see her to cut her off. And so she, like, convinces her boyfriend to beat him to death. Like, in what? front of her and one of her friends. Ew. So his dumbass, like, they put him in the back of her car. This is in Las Vegas. Like, they drive out to Las Vegas. Oh, no, I think they did live in Las Vegas. I think she moved to California and then Vegas. Anyway, they put him in the trunk of the car. They left that in the garage for four days. And then he drove it out to the desert. Well, he was so freaking dumb that, like, he lit a fire on the front seat of the car. And the fire burned itself out immediately. And so the car wow. never caught on fire. So he comes back telling, like, everybody that he caught, like set the car on fire. And it was like, no, dude, it's, like, 100% intact. And... It was like a Mercedes coupe, and so he couldn't even drive it that far into the desert. He got it stuck, and so he just had to abandon it, like, off the side of a road. So it was found, like, the next day. Ugh. (laughs) Like, it was your personal vehicle, too. Like, not his, but hers. And it was like, your name is attached to that. I don't understand, like, why. I'm so glad these criminals are idiots. Me, too. I was like, you guys are stupid. And I felt so bad for the doctors, like girlfriend and everything like he seemed because he was a child psychologist oh and he just seemed like the nicest sweetest man like he had beanie babies like i guess he collected beanie babies which was really cool but he had a bunch of them in his office and stuff and like toys and everything for the kids and Mm -hmm. candy so he seemed like a really good guy that just why was he paying for her stuff he they started communicating on Instagram, I think, or Facebook. And I think she had some sort of sob story because she had a kid. Okay. And then, of course, her dumbass when she got arrested was pregnant. Which yeah. I'm like, of course. Yeah. But she right. won't tell anybody who the baby's daddy is. Okay. Try to yeah. keep it suspicious. Stupid. Anyway, that's what I was wanting to tell you about because it was a good episode and I wish I can cover it. But I'll let 2020 have their moment. <laughs> Well, um, should we just dive into today's episode? I think so. This has been about 15 minutes of us rambling, so sure. I was just going to say, I can't wait for people to start, like, putting in the comments, like, episode starts at 20 minutes (laughs) for all the people (laughs) that don't want to listen to us rant. Alrighty, so here we go. In the fall of 2012 in Omaha, Nebraska, Carrie Farver went into an auto auto repair shop to have her SUV repaired. This was where she would meet Dave Krupa, an attractive young mechanic. Sparks flew immediately, and the two actually recognized each other from a dating website they were both on. Both Dave and Carrie were single parents and both looking for something casual. So Dave took Carrie out to dinner on October 29th and then back to his place after. They had instant chemistry and Carrie was actually the one that initiated the whole no strings attached conversation. So she was basically just like, if if we're going to hook up, that's all it's going to be. I'm not looking for anything right now. And he was like, perfect. I'm on the same page. He had recently ended a 12 year relationship with Amy Flora, who was the mother of his children And then he had a short-lived, on-again, off-again relationship with another woman he met online, Liz Goliar. So that first evening, they were together at Dave's apartment, and they were interrupted by Liz, who stopped by unannounced to pick up a few things from Dave's apartment. Let me me stop you there. Um, 
Anytime I have told a guy no strings attached, I 1000% never meant it. Really? I just did it to sound cool and be like, oh, yeah, I don't want anything either. But yeah, because that instantly, like, gives you a cool factor. Well, yeah, because I was like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm, like, so crazy and, like, wanting a relationship right now. But I always did. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to play it, play it cool. Well, like, oh, yeah, I'm cool just hooking up with you. And then also it's the whole playing hard to get thing and the whole guys, exactly. what do you guys want? They want what they can't have. So, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's definitely a tactic that I think a lot of women have used. So Liz interrupts their evening. Dave was super embarrassed, but Carrie just laughed it off. And she was like, okay, call me when you get your shit figured out. Like when she leaves, whatever, you know, she shouldn't want to be in the middle of anything. So she's like, call me later. Definitely didn't seem like the jealous type, but Carrie went home and she kind of passed Liz in the apartment building on her way out. And then later that evening, Dave called Carrie and she ended up inviting him back to her place so that they could continue their date. So a little bit of background. Uh, Carrie Leah Farber was born on November 30th, 1974, which made her a Sagittarius. She was from Macedonia, Iowa, where she was raised by her mom, Nancy, and her stepfather, Mark. Macedonia is a really small town. It only encompasses about 154 acres and has a population of about 250 people. Oh, wow. That's nobody. Yeah. No. While she was away at college, Carrie unexpectedly became pregnant. She moved back home with her mother, and she would take computer classes at a nearby college campus. She gave birth to her son, Max, and then began a career in computer technology. She did, however, suffer from mood swings and depression. As a result of this, she had a tendency to close people off and isolate herself for periods of time. She was eventually diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but once she was put on her medication, she would remain stable. This takes us back to 2012, the fall of 2012. Carrie and Dave had been seeing each other for only a couple weeks when she had a big project at work. Carrie was a computer programmer for a big uh, tech company in Omaha. Since Dave lived really close to her office, she asked if she could stay at his place for a few nights so that she didn't have to commute back and forth the hour drive from her house to her office. Dave said yes, and the two started playing house. Carrie's son, Max, would stay at his grandma Nancy's house while this was going on, and then the arrangement was Carrie would be back by the weekend because they had a family wedding so she would go pick up her son and they would all go to the wedding together. Although they both had agreed to a no commitment relationship, Dave was starting to have real feelings for Carrie and he saw the potential for long term and he recognized that she was different from other women. One thing that he said is that she was like brilliant, like way smarter than he was. (laughs) On November 13th, 2012, Dave left for work around 6.30 a.m. and kissed Carrie goodbye. Around 10.30 a.m., he got a text from Carrie asking if they could move in together full time. He was really taken aback by this. Even though he really liked her, it had only been a couple weeks since they had been dating. So he told Carrie that he didn't really think that they were there yet. Carrie was responded with, fine, I don't ever want to see you again. Go away. I'm dating somebody else. I hate you. Um, Things escalated quickly. 
Yes. And the messages wouldn't stop there. So she would continue to text him and he was just kind of like, what the heck? Like how, what happened? He was very weird. And then Carrie told her mom that she had quit her job and she was moving to Kansas. This was really surprising to Nancy, but Max did remember Carrie saying that she had an interview in Kansas. So he was, he, they were kind of like, I guess. So Max would stay with Nancy a few more nights and then Carrie again would be back in time for the family wedding. However, the wedding came and went and there was no sign of Carrie. Nancy began to worry, especially when she got a text from Carrie saying that she broke up with her boyfriend and she wanted to check into a mental hospital. Nancy tried calling Carrie, but she would not answer her phone. She filed a missing person report, but we all know how that goes, right? She's an adult woman. Nancy tells police officers she struggles with bipolar disorder. And their response, of course, is, well, she's probably off her meds. These things happen. Which, again, we talk about this, and it's like, why aren't we helping people with mental disorders that are missing? Well, especially people with mental disorders that are missing, because if they are off their meds, then they're probably a danger, not all of them, but if they could be a danger to themselves or somebody else, then we should especially be looking for them and putting in more of an effort to find them. Exactly, and... She was also a mother, so I think that that's right. important to note as well. Carrie t continued to tell Nancy of her plans to move to Kansas, and she even told her mom, I sold all of the furniture in my house. She sent her a picture of a check that was written out to her, like written out to Carrie for $5,000, and she told her mom, this is from the buyer. They've bought all my furniture. Can you be at my house when they come to pick the furniture up? Nancy said, no, this is very odd. Why... She, she just wouldn't do that. She was like, you need to call me. And Carrie was like, no, you're the worst mom ever. I'm going to come pick up Max and take him to Kansas. And so at this point, Nancy is worried for Max's safety. So she falls for temporary custody. And they allow her to do this. And they're like, okay, if she comes back, if things change, then we can always change this. But this will protect you in the case that she goes to his school or something like that and picks him up where they kind of have to give her access. Nancy showed Potawatomi detectives the photo of the check from the furniture buyer. They traced the check back to a woman named Shauna Golier in Omaha. Shauna went by her middle name, Liz. She was the ex-girlfriend of Dave's, and her checkbook, her checkbook had recently been stolen. So Liz gave the detectives Dave's contact information because she also heard that he was being harassed by Carrie. And so detectives show up at his work and inquire about her. He explains, yeah, he's been receiving these threatening text messages and emails ever since they broke things off. He showed detectives his phone and the frightening messages, including ones from Carrie blaming Liz for their breakup. Dave explained to detectives that him and Liz weren't even together at the time, so he could not understand why... Carrie was blaming Liz. Detectives weren't completely convinced by Dave's story, but they had no reason to take him in, so they let him get back to work. Soon after their conversation with Dave, the detectives started getting messages from Carrie. Uh, one of them said, I would really appreciate it if you would leave Dave Krupa out of it. The detectives, the detectives text back saying that they need to speak with her before they can drop any, before they can drop the case. Do you does nobody find it suspicious that she somehow got the detective's contact information? 
Yeah, I feel like that's pretty suspicious myself. I don't know if it was like they gave him a card and she somehow got it or what happened there. Because, like, if I were the detective, I'd be like, uh, Dave, Liz, how did this bitch get our phone number? Like, if she's crazy, like, why are you telling her to contact us? You see what I mean? Or were they reaching out to Carrie to try to get a hold of her originally? They might have been. Um, okay. Yeah, because at this point, it's, I mean, the investigators, they talked to Liz for, like, a second, but she was like, I don't really know her. I met her, like, once for a split second, but Dave was the one that was dating her, so you should go talk to him. Like, she somehow got a hold of my checkbook, so. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, Carrie told detectives that she didn't want to be found, and she would later send them another text saying, I want one person to go away for destroying everything for me. So at this point, since Nancy was the one that initially contacted authorities and she was in Iowa and Dave was living in Omaha. So the police in Omaha don't really know what's happening. It's just the uh, Potawatomi detectives that are kind of on it right now, but they don't live there. So they encourage Liz to they encouraged Liz to file a report with the Omaha police since it was their jurisdiction. Okay. Um, yeah. So Liz starts being harassed as, as well all of a sudden. It's like somehow Carrie knew that she was being roped into this. And so before Liz can even file a report, she goes into her garage and she sees a spray painted on the wall whore from Dave. Both Omaha and Potawatomi police continued to look for Carrie, and Nancy would continue to attempt to contact her daughter. It had been two weeks since she went missing when Nancy sent her a message letting her know where they would be celebrating Thanksgiving in the hopes that she would join. Shortly after that, Carrie updated her Facebook status saying, Dave Krupa proposed, and I said yes. A few weeks later, Carrie's biological father died from cancer. She missed the funeral, and she sent a message to her mother, Nancy, apologizing for not being there. Dave, of course, denied any sort of engagement and explained that he was getting 50 to 60 messages a day. Some of these messages included, I know I ruined it. I tell myself, don't be crazy. This guy was nice to you, but something takes over. I will destroy your life and take your happiness. I hate you so much that I want to drive a knife into your heart. She also seemed to be watching Dave. She constantly knew what he was doing and even admitting to having a key in his, to his apartment, saying she would come and go as she pleased. No, thank you. I'd been like, um, I'm moving. <laughs> yeah, I know, for real. But I mean, I guess that makes sense since she was, like, living there, or supposed to live there. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that if he's trusting her when he's leaving for work to lock up, before she also leaves for work, then she probably has a key. Yeah. Liz was also getting messages asking if she liked the handiwork in the garage. She would get messages saying that from Carrie saying she's in the garage now and she's going to do something to her car, etc. And at one point, Carrie even sent a picture of a woman that a woman that was like bound by like her hand, her wrists and her ankles. And she sent this picture to Dave, and she said she had kidnapped Liz. It was hard to tell who it was in the picture, but ultimately, ultimately, it was not Liz. It was just, was it just like a random picture from the internet? 
Um, it looked like it was something that was probably photoshopped. Okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what the consensus was at that point. Okay. Two months after Carrie went missing, Dave noticed Carrie's SUV in the parking lot, still covered by the snow. It was clear that it had not been driven for a while. He called investigators and crime scene investigators came in and did a full examination. The car was extremely clean, but they were able to pull a fingerprint from a mint container. There were no matches in the database. So, hold on. How long after the threatening messages... How long since the last time Dave saw her did he just realize that her vehicle was in the parking lot? Two months. Two months? Yeah. Like, this person is harassing you and you just now noticed two months later that her car is in the parking lot? Mm-hmm. Okay, Dave. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... That's a long time. Like It is a long time. For to just be sitting there and be like, oh, hey, by the way, it's been here. And he knows the car because he worked on it. Yeah, that's really weird. It is weird. Dave and Liz continued to be harassed by Carrie, and it actually kind of brought them both together. They were both scared, and they were both getting these text messages, so I think it was, I mean, naturally... Um, I think it brought them together and gotten to the point where Carrie told them both that she was going to hire a hitman for Liz and she even sent them an obituary she had written for Liz's funeral. That's normal. I, I do that all the time. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> That's really scary. I'd been, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I was in a situation like this. Yeah. Liz and Dave were constantly in the police department filing reports and handing their phones over to detectives to see if there was anything that they could do to lo- to locate Carrie and ultimately resolve this. So they would just like bring their phones over and give consent for officers to do like a phone dump, which is where they just migrate all the data over and they kind of just like keep it on the hard drive or whatever. Right. D- detectives figured that since Carrie was a tech guru, she was somehow disguising where the messages were coming from because obviously they were trying to figure it out, but they it was all dead ends. On Saturday, August 17th, Liz's house caught fire. She was in the process of moving to a new home, but she still had a lot of personal belongings in the old house, including two dogs, a cat, and a snake. Did they all die? Unfortunately, the animals were not saved. No. Yeah. That is my biggest fear. It is my biggest fear too because it's so it's it's horrific and you know how scared your animals are. Leo freaks out when we turn the stove on. I kid you not. When we turn the stove on, he goes and he hides Aww. in the guest bathroom behind the toilet and he's shaking. That's really sad. Because usually when our stove goes on, it means our smoke alarm is going to go on. And so (laughs) he just thinks that every time. But it's like, you know what I mean? These poor helpless things. Like, they they don't know. They get so scared so easily. And it must have just been horrific. Like, Robert and I already have, like, it planned. Because, like, if there's ever a fire in our home, I am gathering cats. He Mm -hmm. is getting our path out of here. Mm -hmm. Like... My cats are my priority. I don't have children. It's just Robert and I, we're grown-ass adults. Like, we can find our way out. But, like, cats are going to hide, which is my biggest fear, is that they're going to go under the bed or under the couch. Mm -hmm. So Robert's just going to have to hulk 
lift all this shit and like yeah. we're gonna have to try to get them out to safety but yeah i just i'm like i'll have it's to get so a blanket scary. like it's a whole thing but yeah that's really it, that's sad. always good though to have a plan that's something we can all take note of just plan for the worst you know what i mean have a plan oh. of action for getting out of the house i have a go bag like if yeah. shit hits the fan like with our government and stuff like it has cat food in it <laughs> it has um what are those called? The military ration kits, uh, oh. MR- MREs. Mm-hmm. We have a few of those in there. Flashlight matches. Like, we have all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Very smart. You Everyone should know. do that. So, again, like I said, unfortunately, the animals were not saved. Investigators discovered at least six different points of origin of the fire and found, and found accelerants. They quickly determined that it had been set intentionally. Soon after this, Liz got a text from Carrie saying, I am not lying. I set that nasty whore's house on fire. I hope the whore and her kids die in it. Wow. Dave and Liz were both very worried for their children, so Dave bought a gun. Meanwhile, Carrie's family was still hoping for the best and sending her loving messages hoping she would come home. On April... In April of 2013, officers received a tip that Carrie was spotted at a homeless shelter in Omaha. Nancy met a police officer there, hoping to be reunited with her daughter, but it was a dead end. Nancy messaged Carrie, telling her they went to the shelter, but she wasn't there. Carrie didn't respond to the message, but she did post on Facebook that she was an adult and she just wanted to leave home. She posted that she would go pick up Max, but she wouldn't come home right now. Dave and Liz continued to be harassed despite changing their phone numbers multiple times. The Facebook posts continued as well, but the weird thing is is that in both the messages and the Facebook posts, the grammar and the spelling was terrible. Nancy, at this point, is convinced that it's not Carrie sending the messages. Carrie was a stickler for grandma and for... (laughs) Leave that in. (laughs) She was a stickler for grandma. (laughs) Is that what it changed it to, or did you just say grandma? No, I just said it. It, Okay. It it definitely says grammar. Carrie was a stickler for grammar, (laughs) and these posts were complete chaos. That's like me. Every time I send you a correction, I'm like, Kara, fix this, fix this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said grandma. (laughs) That was great. Good job. Sorry. No, that's okay. It was hilarious. (laughs) Um, So Max attempted to reach out to Carrie and he asked her three very specific questions that only she would know the answer to, but there was no response. How old is Max? He's in high school. So that's the next point here is that she, Carrie, missed holidays, birthdays, and even his high school graduation. Oh. And this has been a very long time. Like, so now we're in 2015. So three years? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And it just keeps going on and on. And I don't know if it was just a lack of investigation. And that's kind of why I mentioned that it's the potawatomi police officers that are doing most of the work. I don't know what was going on in Omaha, if they were just not handling it or if that just wasn't in any of the sources. But it's like, yes, you have this person who's like 
giving virtual threats. Sure, they haven't physically done anything. As soon as that, as Liz's house got caught on fire, like, they should have been like, okay, we have to find this person. It was uh-huh. clearly her. And it's like, I don't give a shit how much of a tech guru somebody is. Like, you can find where those messages were coming from and narrow it down. That's you what have, I'm saying. You have her vehicle. Like, you have these messages coming from her. You're just missing the person. Like, she's obviously nearby if she's setting houses on fire. So, if someone is a tech guru, then that just means that the police officers, the detectives, the FBI, the people that are supposed to protect us, they need to have a tech guru that is better. Yeah, the person literally that went over all of the phone data at the Alex Murdoch trial was an FBI agent. Yeah. So, it's like, there's definitely people out there, like, you are not the smartest tech person in the world. No. So. I agree. So, in April of 2015, two new detectives come on the scene. And these guys are in Iowa, and they went through the case material. And they started wondering, is this really Carrie responsible for our, for all this? And so, we have Sergeant Jim Dottie, or Dottie, I'm not sure, and Corporal Ryan Avis. So, at this point, the case in Potawatomi, it was mostly office chatter. It had been a couple years, and so it wasn't like anyone was really right on top of it working on this case, which is also scary. They went through the case files, they listened to the recorded interviews, and they even brought David for questioning. He was very cooperative and handed over his computer that had over 11,000 messages from Carrie on it. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. As they continued their investigation, which took several months, they became pretty familiar with who Liz was. They were shocked when, on December 4th, Liz went into the police station and told them she had figured out who was behind all the threats and harassment. Liz believed it had been Amy all along pretending to be Carrie. Do you remember who Amy is? That's the ex-wife, correct? Well, they were never married. They were together they for 12 years. They had kids together, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of part of it here. Amy was still obsessed with Dave, and she and it made way more sense for it to be Amy because she was frustrated that after 12 years, there was no proposal or no promise of a future. Carrie only dated Dave for a couple weeks, so Liz allowed officers to download her phone so that police could again review the harassing messages. After they downloaded all of the information from her phone, Dodie and Avis told Liz that they would follow up with Amy. They they suggested that she keep a record of all contact that Amy slash Carrie makes so that they could build a case. The next day at 6.40 p.m., officers were dispatched to a park located in a wilderness area in Council Bluffs, Iowa. They had received a 911 call from a female saying that she had been shot in the leg. When officers arrived at the scene, they found Liz sitting on the ground near the driver's side of the only car in the parking lot, breathing from her left thigh. Liz claimed that Amy approached her from behind, and when she turned around, she shot her in the leg. Liz was taken to the hospital to receive treatment for her wound while detectives went to find Amy. They quickly found her home with her two-year-old, where she insisted she had been all day. Although Amy was cooperative, police asked her to take a polygraph, but she failed. Well, I would probably fail a polygraph, too, to be honest. Poly- 
I can't even go to a doctor's appointment without having an elevated heart rate. I'm like, let me I calm know. down for five minutes because I'm just nervous being here. So, yeah, I would most yeah. likely fail a polygraph. I know. I'm an extremely nervous person, so oh, yeah. I probably I'm like, would, too. I'd, I'd be like, I think that's the truth, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. I even know. though I know it is, but I'm going to second guess it. <laughs> 100%. Police told Liz that they suspected Amy in the shooting and even thought she might be responsible for Carrie's disappearance, but they needed more concrete information to charge her. Additionally, they told her that they found remains and they are fairly certain they belonged to Carrie, but they're waiting on lab results. Detective Doty told Liz that in order for them to build a case, he would need some sort of proof that Amy killed Carrie. Liz agreed to help with the investigation, and she became forwarding emails from Amy. The emails said, I shot you, Liz, to make sure Dave stayed away from you. I made a couple of those fake email emails and numbers you and Dave thought were Carrie to get rid of you, Liz, but didn't work too well. And the spelling on this is just so bad. It's like D-D-N-T for didn't work is W-R-K. So they, they just don't believe in vowels, apparently? No. And it's just really convenient that as soon as the police are like, oh, hey, Liz, uh, could you help us? She's like, I got you, fam. Look at all these emails I got from Amy. Yeah. Like, did they actually say Amy's name in the emails? The account was from an email account that, like, I guess was Amy's email account. But oh, okay. she wasn't writing, like, sincerely or like best warm regards <laughs> anything like that um listen if i'm gonna murder somebody the first thing i'm gonna do is just send them an email being like hey i murdered you right i shot you in the leg like no okay. so yes so the detectives would need more from amy so they reached out to liz to see if she'd be willing to keep the conversation going Liz agreed to play the detective. She emailed Amy asking what kind of gun she shot her with and if she ever met Carrie. Amy replied, the gun was Dave's that I used. Don't worry, you didn't get it as bad as Crazy Carrie. So when I met Crazy Carrie, she would not stop talling. I think she meant talking about Dave and him being, I think she meant being her husband. She tried to attack me, but I attacked her with a knife. I stabbed her three to four times in the chest and stomach area and then took her out and burned her. I stuffed her in a garbage bag with crap. Hmm. This went on for several weeks and the emails continued to come. I got a hold of Carrie and we drive in her car. I reached over and stabbed her in stomach. I think she meant stomach. When I killed Carrie, you know, she begged for me to call Dave at work. Then she begged to talk to her family, I think she meant family, before she died. I remember when I killed Carrie, she had a yig yag sign on her left thigh. I believe she means yin yang. <laughs> the spelling sounds great. I'm so glad you're reading it and not me. <laughs> I, it's definitely something I'm stumbling over, but I left it in. And my computer, it's my OCD is driving me crazy because I, I wanted to spell, like, correct it but is everything underlined <laughs> everything is underlined it's really annoying meanwhile investigators get a call from dave he's freaking the fuck out because liz told him they found a body they believe it to be carrie and they're going to arrest amy and so he's like what is going on you guys think amy is responsible for this this is the mother of my children 
and they can't they can't really say much to Dave, but they recommend that he move in with Amy and stay the fuck away from Liz. So he does. Because here's the thing, they did not have any remains. There was no body. They suspected Liz was the perpetrator of all of this, including shooting herself and setting her house on fire. Because back in December, police received consent from Dave and Amy to access their phones to download the data. They discovered the messages being sent to Dave were coming from an IP address associated to a man named Todd Butterbog. Liz had been in a relationship with Todd from September 2010 until September 2015. So while she was even dating Dave, she was with this other guy too? Yes. Okay, cool. Liz and her children moved in with Todd in July 2013 and stayed until December 2015 or 2016. So did they move in with him, like, after her house caught on fire? It's unclear, and it seems like this relationship with Todd was very on and off as well. It seemed she was probably just using him, to be honest. But, I mean, she was at at his house sending these messages and stuff. Mm. And it's, I mean, he, and this Todd guy, he, when they questioned him, he had no idea that she was being harassed. Because why would she tell him that if it wasn't true? If she was being harassed, of course, she would be like, oh, my gosh, look at this. This is really scary. Yeah, maybe turn your phone off or, like, you know, get a new number. That's what Mm -hmm. a normal partner would say. So she most likely never told him. Right. In February 2016, Liz called the police very concerned that Amy had not been arrested. She was pissed. She knew that Amy and Dave, Dave had moved in together. So from her perspective, it was like Amy keeps just winning. She gets to live with Dave. She hasn't been arrested, blah, blah, blah. Cops at this point were building a case against Liz. Information they had collected from her phone when she authorized the phone dump on January 8th, 2013, showed Liz's cell phone had made six calls to Carrie's landline on November 6th and 7th, just days before she disappeared. They also discovered a picture of Carrie's Ford Explorer that was taken December 24th. This was before her Explorer was found in the parking lot near Dave's apartment in January 2013. Additionally, the photos she sent to Dave from Carrie's phone of a woman bound, that was associated on one of her devices. She's a genius. I love her. No, she's not very smart at all. Now that they were gathering more evidence and they had the messages stating that Carrie was stabbed in her own vehicle, a crime scene technician would process Carrie's SUV two more times before removing the cloth seat covers to find blood. The fingerprint on the mint container was a match to Liz and the blood was a match to Carrie's DNA. Wow. I know. So they obtained a search warrant and they searched her home, her previous home with Todd and a storage unit. They found multiple cell phones, video cameras, memory cards, and some of Carrie's personal belongings. They discovered a shower curtain that had matched a receipt from Walmart purchased using Carrie's credit card. The SD card that they found had images of what appeared to be a blue and gray or silver tarp, Carrie's driver's license next to a knife, 
a flesh-colored object with a yin-yang symbol on it and a flesh-colored object with a Chinese symbol on it. On it. These flesh-colored objects would prove to be tattoos on Carrie's thigh and foot. Additionally, they were able to trace 45 different email addresses from various hosts. So between like Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook, and they were all traced back to Liz. 45? 45. I can't even make up 45 different names to give myself five-star reviews at our last company. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I remember that. Yeah, I got, like, three, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not worth it. It doesn't even let you anymore. Like, it's like, you have too many email addresses, ma'am. Yeah, like, stop. Google flags your reviews now, so then they don't even show up, which is kind of, like, whatever. But, um, yeah, again, I know we said at the beginning of this episode, but I love dumb criminals. Yeah. Because they believed Carrie was murdered in Omaha... Detectives Avis and Dodie enlisted the help of Omaha police who pick up Liz on an unrelated misdemeanor. They immediately start asking about Carrie and she sticks to her story claiming she was the victim. She lawyered up and bonded out. The county attorney needed to review the evidence to ensure they had enough to go to trial. After several months of reviewing case evidence, he concluded that they did in fact have enough. So they went on trial December 16, December 22nd, 2016, Four years after Carrie Farber went missing. The prosecution submitted more than 40 pieces of evidence with data collected from more than a dozen email accounts that Liz allegedly created to send false information in attempts to steal Carrie's identity. Prosecutor Brenda Beadle said, It's so evil, so harsh for this family to see this and get hope. Her life was violently cut short by this defendant's twisted, obsessive, reprehensible acts of violence. The defense argued that there was no body and not enough physical evidence to convict Liz, but the judge felt that the digital and circumstantial evidence proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Carrie had been murdered. Carrie, Carrie Farber did not voluntarily disappear and drop off the face of the earth, Judge Burns said during the hearing. Very sadly, she was murdered. Burns said that the defense's argument that the state could not meet its burden of proof with out a recovered body was refuted by the overwhelming amount of evidence presented by the state. Liz wrote a letter to the judge asking him to find it in his heart to give her 30 years, a 30 year sentence so she could be out in 15 years. <laughs> to this, he said, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Liz Golier was sentenced to life for first degree murder and an additional 20 years for arson. Because she set her own house on fire and killed her own animals. That kills me. Like, absolutely. No. Mm-mm. No. Was it worth it, Liz? Probably not. I really no. hope it wasn't. I, I know it wasn't. But it's like, ugh, I hate people like her. All, all, all of this for some dick. Like, that's what gets me. No guy is worth it. No human being is worth it. Nothing is worth it. And you still didn't end up with him. No. He still did not want to be with you. Okay, if someone does not like you, if someone does not want to be with you, if someone does not want to be your friend, then get over it. You don't want people in your life that don't want you in their life. It just doesn't make sense. I tried so hard for so many years to get this, like, one guy in particular to like be with me and make me his girlfriend and now I'm like and I finally like 
when I was like 19 or 20, I was like, I'm done with this guy. Like, why am I even bothering anymore? Yeah. And I, I get that. Like I get, I'm sure that many of us have had those instances in our life where it's like the one person for some reason you just cannot have them and it's like so frustrating and it kind of tears you apart and there's a lot of anxiety associated with it a lot of self-doubt probably and you are probably being really hard on yourself that's normal it's okay to feel like that every now and then and it's probably something that eventually you'll get over but you just you just have to let time run its course. Don't do anything about it. You cannot force two people together. There's probably no. a reason you're not with that person. So get over it. Like, yeah, and there's always... Exactly, there is a reason for it. And there's always someone better. There's the right person for you. And I understand jealousy. Like, I am a very jealous person. Like, I hate how jealous I can get. But... If you had a mutual agreement with somebody that you both mutually ended the relationship, like Liz and Dave did, then why are you still so hung up? You need to express your feelings. Like, if you didn't want it to end, then tell him that because it doesn't sound like she did. And it's okay to have those conversations and be like, you know what, I, I'm i not feeling okay about this. Is it okay if we talk? But if the other person doesn't want to talk, if someone doesn't want to be in a relationship anymore, they have that right. And they know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but you know how I am with boundaries and respecting people's space. You're not necessarily always obligated to give an answer. Right. I mean, unless you're married, then it's like legal, but that's a little <laughs> different. But I've done that before where, like before I was dating AJ, I was like seeing this other guy and I kind of just like told him, you know what, it's, this isn't going to work anymore. Like I decided that I wanted to see how things went with AJ and I didn't like give him an explanation. He and doesn't I need one. I didn't feel like I needed to. People don't always need an explanation and like. In this situation, it's like, she's just not acting like an adult. No. She's acting very childish. It's like, mm, I can't have what I want, so I'm going to take what you have away from you. And it's it's selfish. She's just selfish. And I think that's going to be a revolving trend with a lot of these killers, is that they're just narcissists. Mm -hmm. So. And so this is what... Basically, what she was doing, and I think this is in my notes later on, but I'm going to get to it here now. She was so obsessed with becoming Carrie. This bitch, even when she had her phone, she sent a message to Carrie's work saying, um, I'm going to scroll here so I can find it. She sent a message to West Corporation, which was Carrie's work saying, I won't be coming back. I'm taking a job in Kansas. Sorry for the short notice. I'm sending someone out to you to fill the position. Her name is Shauna Golier. So, like, speaking of narcissism, she thought, oh, I'm just going to go work in this in this tech job that I have zero qualifications for. And that's not how it works. If one of my employees didn't show up and they were like, oh, listen, I'm sending Fred. He's great. He's going to pull my <laughs> shoes from now on. I mean, like, Fred can go get fucked. Like, I don't know who Fred is. Like, yeah. you have a job here, not Fred. If Fred wants to interview after you've given your notice, that's fine. But that's not that's not being an adult. That's not no, how and, this works. And did she think that, like, that people were just going to think it was normal? Oh, now Liz works in Carrie's old job. I like her now because she's a she's a, an IT genius like Carrie was. Yeah. No, that's weird. You can't become, like, you can't become other people. Like, people like you for you, not because you're... 
Anyways, so she <laughs> she was sentenced to life, and then she was sentenced for the additional 20 years, so she will serve the sentences consecutively. After the trial, Nancy spoke about Liz's sentencing, saying she's got a life sentence now, but she also gave everybody else that loved Carrie a life sentence. She took Carrie's life. She gave my grandson a life sentence of never having his mother there, and all of the people that loved her. We now have a life we now have to live with the nightmare that we have lived for so long. And she's right. Yeah, Liz has a life sentence, but so does every single person that was impacted by this. Even someone like Dave, who had gone through all of this trauma, he was receiving these harassing text messages, thinking like worried for his kids, worried for his own life while he was, it was the person next to him in his bed. Right. So that has got to be a lot for one person to get over as well. And then poor Max and Nancy, who were for four years messaging her and getting these messages back, constantly having a glimmer of hope. Yeah, well, and that's the, that's the thing, too, is like impersonating somebody you've murdered takes it to a whole new level. Yeah. Like you are just, you don't deserve to be here. No, absolutely not. It's, uh, there. there's a whole nother word for her. She's vile. I, I can't even imagine what Carrie went through. And then also, because that's the thing. It's like she was at Dave's apartment. There's a timeline for this too. And it's, I mean, she like got on her computer. She got on Facebook. And then you can see her like shut down her computer. And then she gets on Facebook again, and the first thing that she does is unfriend Dave. So, obviously, that's when Liz kind of came in and took over, which is which is stupid because why would you, if you were pretending to be Carrie and you were going to be this stalker, why would you delete Dave? If anything, you would want to keep his Facebook on there so you could right. monitor him. While speaking of the prosecution, and Nancy stated all of them worked so hard to come to this conclusion. I am just so thankful. It's been horrid, never knowing whether she was really out there or not. Nancy also stated that while Carrie was missing, after Carrie's biological father died, he came to her in a dream saying, Carrie's with me now. But of course, Nancy would never give up hope that her daughter would be found, nor would she stop looking for her. Liz appealed her conviction in 2018 for the following reasons. Insufficient evidence, failure to investigate, and I think that means that they just didn't ask her for her alibi. Okay. Uh, she claimed her defense kept mixing up names and the waiver of jury trial, meaning her counsel was ineffective in advising her to waive her right to a jury trial, but... The record shows that she waived this right not once, but twice. So that's on her. Mm -hmm. the, high, <laughs> the high court rejected Liz's arguments that evidence presented in her trial was too thin to sustain a guilty verdict and that her trial or lawyer was so deficient that she couldn't get a fair trial. So her appeal was denied. Good. Yeah. So... Again, this is just a story about jealousy, a story about people not being happy in their own lives. It's really tragic because Liz did have two children. It's tragic that her animals had to suffer from this. It's frustrating because, like, how are you going to say there's not there's insufficient evidence? Like, a lot of cases wish they had 
the evidence that was in this case. You had SD cards. You had cell phones. You had personal belongings. You had your fingerprints of a person you met for a millisecond that you so claim in their vehicle. Like, there is enough evidence without a reasonable doubt to say you did this. And I agree with you, but the defense just says it's all circumstantial because there's no body. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so, I mean, and unfortunately, a threat's a threat until it becomes something serious, which in this case it did, but because there's no body, they can't prove that. I'm not saying that she should she should have another sentencing trial. I think she should rot in jail, but unfortunately, that's the way that our justice system thinks. But she is still in prison, yes? Yeah. Like, she's not getting out? Yeah, she doesn't have another, I don't. I saw something on her, um, like her prison ID or whatever you want to call it. Um, I call it cage card, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> that she has something in 2027. I think that that's when she's eligible for another appeal, but I don't think she'll be getting it. She, I, I hope she doesn't at least. She doesn't deserve anything. She's where she needs to be. Yes, she is. And then there's a, there's just a couple things I want to mention um, in regards to missing person. There are a lot of resources out there. Um, I want to just make sure that all of our listeners know that there is no waiting period for reporting someone missing. I know a lot of times we hear on TV, it's like 48 hours. That's bullshit. You can always file a missing person report. Um, doesn't or have to be. do a welfare check. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I've had to do them on tenants that mm-hmm. I hadn't heard from, hadn't paid their rent, and they normally paid their rent on time. You can do that at any time for anybody. It's Just call it in. It, you, it won't yeah. go in as an emergency, and they'll get to it when they get to it, but I think they get to it the same day and within a few hours of the phone call um, just to confirm that that person's fine. Yeah, they usually do, and it's usually they just go to the house and they knock on the door and they see if there's any signs of foul play. I mean, it's not anything super, you know, but it's it's something to get the ball rolling. Right. Um, there are, so another resource out there is the Missing Person Support Center. They have Facebook advocacy and support groups. They have search and rescue. They have information on tra- trafficking and domestic violence. And the website for this is www.mpsupportcenter.org slash resources. The first thing you want to do if you suspect that someone is missing is call local law enforcement and then call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, 1-800-THE-LOST. Register the individual with the National Missing and Unidentified Person System at namus.nij ojp.gov and then this part is especially important if they have a mental illness you can call NAMI affiliate or state organization the National Alliance on Mental Illness and the website for that is nami.org and I will also put these in the show notes awesome well yeah I'm glad you covered that case it's definitely important because if If you notice that somebody is texting weird, like, it's always worth looking into. Like, like, let's say, you know, like, my husband, for example, he texts me, like, I know his cadence. I know Uh how he speaks in his text. 
And there was, like, one time where he said something weird. Like, he called me a certain name that he never calls me. Like, we have pet names for each other. And, like, there's one, there's certain ones we don't use. And I think he used, like, baby in a text, which was weird because he never uses that. So I immediately called him. Because I was like, was this you or was it somebody else? And he's like, no, that was me. He's mm-hmm. like, I was just being sweet. And I was like, okay, I'm suspicious, but that's all right. <laughs> like, Don't you know. be suspicious. And especially if you're, like, trying to get a hold of somebody that you normally talk to on the phone and all they will do is text you, like, that's yeah. not that's not normal. Yeah. And then I know that we've talked about this before, but dating online, it definitely has risk associated with it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, just because my relationship worked out with meeting my partner online doesn't mean it's going to work out for everyone. So some things that you can do is just, of course, take screenshots of the person's profile. Always send them. Um, don't delete your app right away. Uh, when you do meet that person, you meet them in a public place. Either drive yourself or have someone else drive you there. Take a picture of driver's license, license plates. Take a picture of them when you see them. Tell people where you're going. If you decide to go somewhere else, if you change plans, if you go somewhere after, keep people informed. And try not to meet at your houses. Definitely try not to do that. I know Kara's, like, making a face at me because that's how, like, her and AJ's first date went. But But that's a little different. That was Rona times. Yes, and we had several mutual friends. So, Yeah. yeah, we... Technically, just because we hadn't met in person yet, we did kind of know each other adjacently from other people. But even even if that's the case, it's still, you can't be too cautious. Exactly. And if your gut is telling you something, it's probably right. Unless you're mm-hmm. just suspicious about everything like me. But even still, like, that feeling you get when somebody's watching you or when you know, like, a situation, like, the energy is just off, trust it. Mm-hmm. Just trust it. Trust your gut. Yes, 100%. And we're not in any way, shape, or form trying to victim blame these people because, or victim shame. Um, they didn't know what they were getting into. Dave didn't know that this was going on. I think that from what it sounds like, she was able to send messages while they were together. So she was able to like pre-send them, set a timer and send them. So he didn't know that this was going on. I think he was trying to do the best that he could to keep him and his family safe. Well, and and in their defense, like, him and Carrie, they met online, and their relationship worked out. Like, it would have worked out had Liz not stepped in the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, But did he meet Liz online as well? Yes. Okay. And still, like, again, everything with Liz worked out fine at the beginning, and then it just kind of fizzled out. So it definitely is worth it to take time to get to know somebody before, you know, making that next step. I mean, if you know, you know, but if Mm -hmm. the situation is tough, like, don't overly commit yourself to somebody, and then you kind of screw yourself over. Also, if you do meet someone and you guys are dating and things seem to be going well, ask to meet their friends, ask to hang out with their friends, because I think that that can speak a lot about people, too. It's like, I mean, yeah, maybe I only have one or two friends, but... Same. <laughs> <laughs> if someone has no friends or no family or they're, you know, that could be a red flag. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it always is. But just really get to know them inside and, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 
inside and out, not literally, but figuratively. That is what she meant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, everybody, we're starting to get, like, delirious and getting the giggle fits. So, just remember, you can reach out to us. Everything is at SentencePod. So, SentencePod at gmail.com. SentencePod on Instagram. SentencePod on Facebook. And don't forget to follow the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sentence pod. Next week will be my episode. I don't know exactly what I'm covering yet. I have a case in mind, but I don't know if I want to do it. So we will see. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. Kara, is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. Thanks for bearing with us throughout this one, guys. It was a tough one. Yes, thank you very much. And we will see you guys or you'll hear us in the next episode. Bye. Bye.